It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week, another year, hey, how about that, of Locked on Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the Katie Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services, or maybe you're a commuter, you don't want to be looking at your phone while you're trying to find a podcast, you can just ask your smart device, like Siri works with Alexa or Google Home, play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today, we have to uh, preview a playoff game. You may have noticed that there weren't any shows on Monday or Tuesday. Part of this was because I was traveling, uh, but another part of this is because it didn't really make a lot of sense to recap the meaningless Week 17 game. I will talk about it a little bit in in a little bit here, uh, but it didn't make sense to give it the same, you know, like, full episode recap and then another whole episode of in-depth review and all that to a game that was a glorified preseason game. There's a few takeaways we can touch on, but for the most part, I wanted to dedicate most of the week to talking about about the Saints. So I figured I'd push it all back, wait until I could do uh, Crossover Wednesday, which I do have on the line here, uh, and that will be a, a good portion of the show. And we can kind of use this this mini-buy thing as an opportunity to, to really get deep into the Saints and into the playoffs. It's the first playoff game I've done on this show, so I want to make sure that I, I really do it justice. So Ross Jackson is on the line a little bit later. Uh, I will talk a little bit about the Week 17 game in a bit, but first there's some other like pressing news matters that I kind of want to uh, touch on, and we'll get into more of them later in the week as well. But let's just go over some of the stuff that happened since uh, last we talked. So obviously the big one is uh, that there was a football game that the Vikings played. They lost 21-19 to at U.S. Bank Stadium to the Chicago Bears. They now haven't beaten the Bears since 2017, which is pretty rough. Though, of course, I mean, Sean Mannion started that game, and uh, there there wasn't really much to be said about, like, the play of the Vikings, because it was the Vikings 2s against the Bears 1s, and losing by two points is kind of meaningless there. There was a report, I saw it most credibly, from uh, Charles Robinson. I think uh, Ian Rappaport might have also kind of hinted that this was the case. I also saw Darren Wolfson talk about it. A lot of people uh, have talked about this kind of report coming out of, of the Vikings that I, I'm going to talk about more later, but here's what is what it is. There is this idea that the team is really, really high on Kevin Stefanski, and if this game against the Saints goes really, really bad, if they crater in this one and, you know, they lose by 25 points, that the team might actually move on from Zimmer and promote Kevin Stefanski to head coach or do some kind of similar move uh, to that. That would be quite a drastic thing. You don't often see teams get fired after seasons where they had a chance to win the Super Bowl, i.e. made the playoffs. I certainly wouldn't agree with that move, but on the other hand, you might be in a situation where if you don't do that, you lose Kevin Stefanski to somebody else who is going to bring them in. You know, Cleveland was really interested in them last year when they went, ended up going with uh, Freddie Kitchens instead, and they have fired Freddie Kitchens. They're going to be looking again. You know, Carolina might be really interested. Of course, North Turner has worked with, uh, with, with Kevin Stefanski, so there's a little bit of history there. You might even see New York go uh, get Stefanski. Obviously, Pat Shermer wanted to bring him over when he went there in 2018. The Vikings blocked that, but, you know, he's now on the Giants' radar, even though Shermer is out over there in New York. 
So there's a lot of danger, and we kind of knew, right? If if Stefanski was going to have a good year, he would be gone, and that's kind of the way things go with, uh, you know, offensive coordinators on defensive head coaches' teams. That's the way things are always going to go with, you know, the Dan Quinns and even, like, the Pete Carrolls and such. So you might be in this offseason, no matter how this goes, in a situation where you either lose Stefanski or you lose Zimmer. I think everybody in the facility would prefer to keep both and keep the configuration you have, but if you're in that decision point, well, that gets a lot more interesting, right? I'm probably just going to do like a whole Mike Zimmer episode later on, on this whole thing because it's really, really fascinating and something that is very abnormal. This is not your average, you know, oh, the team is 5-11, and 11, should we hire, should we fire the head coach or give him another chance kind of conversation. This is more, I mean, the options here are not like Mike Zimmer or a head coaching search. It's Mike Zimmer or Kevin Stefanski, and that's way more interesting. Smaller news, but still uh, probably relevant. Uh, Armin Watts is on IR. He got hurt in the Week 17 Bears game. And Vikings picked up Eddie Yarbrough, a uh, practice squad Jacksonville Jaguar, to fill in that depth. Yarbrough was a, an undrafted free agent in, I think it was 2016. He ended up not actually making a roster till 2017. He ended up on the Bills. He played there for three years, actually, ha- was like a reasonable part of uh, their defense for the last couple years. Uh, and then he ended up getting cut. And he ended up on Jacksonville's practice squad, where he now is going to come and be a depth piece here in in Minnesota. And well, he'll probably end up uh, coming to camp and trying to make the team next year. And and that'll probably be where we talk about him the most. Uh, The other news in terms of roster stuff is that Brett Jones is actually designated to return from injured reserve. If you remember, he had in November been placed on IR. He is now designated to return. He's actually going to practice with the team. That is something that that is only going to be relevant in a really bad situation that he would be preventing, right? So he can't come back until the theoretical NFC title game. That is when he would be eligible to actually return to uh, in-game play. This uh, He can practice for a couple weeks up to that, but he can't actually be activated in a game until the uh, hypothetical NFC championship. So in the uh, situation where you need Brett Jones in the NFC championship, that means that a couple people got hurt, and then you're going to be really glad that you had him. So th- this is a nice move. It ensures you against an incredibly... Uh, unlikely scenario, but that's a scenario that would really, really kill you if you ended up needing Brett Jones and you didn't have him because you didn't, uh, you know, activate him off of IR. So that should also be a, a helpful thing, but probably won't come up. Some injury news to go over. Uh, Eric Kendricks should be good to go for this game. He left, of course, Monday night's loss to the Packers uh, with a quad injury. It looks like Alexander Madison will be questionable for the game, and Dalvin Cook will be full go. Uh, It looks like everybody else, for the most part, of course, except for the Armin Watts IR thing, is about as healthy as they're going to get. So this is going to be a full-strength Vikings team. Now, before we get into some of the insights from the Week 17 game, uh, real quick, I want to talk about Blinkist. So, uh, Blinkist is a great uh, sponsor for this show specifically, because on this show, I like to take an angle of, like, learning with it. Like, I I like to learn new things and then relay it on the show, and I hope that listeners learn new things from this podcast, too. And, And, I mean, even if some of you know what I talk about, you know, the ins and outs of triangle reads or whatever. If you know that already, then great, but I hope that at least a good chunk of the listeners are learning something new. Blinkist is really in the same spirit. They take over 3,000 best-selling nonfiction titles in over 27 categories, and they condense them into these 15-minute blinks, which are text and audio explainers that can help you understand more about the core ideas of each book. You can use them to get into a topic quickly and, you know, inform yourself on something that is either interesting or important or both and and lead it to, you know, 
a better you. So right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven day trial and get 25% off of a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash locked on to get 25% off a free seven day trial. Blinkist.com slash locked on. Also, are you guys uh, like me and recovering from New Year's Eve festivities? Or maybe you're just having a long day at your job or you're watching the Vikings and you don't want to get up and get food. This is why you should get DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to not only your favorite restaurants in your city, but also 340,000 different restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you can find yourself a new favorite too. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and the food will be delivered right to you, wherever you are. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And hey, right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's $5 off of your first order when you download DoorDash, the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. All right, so let's just quickly go over what happened in the Week 17 game, because even though it doesn't have much bearing on what's going to happen for the rest of the 2019 season, or even really into the future of the starters, because none of them played, we can still actually take a couple things away that are useful. For example, Sean Mannion played, and he was pretty bad. And I think that that really confirms that the Vikings didn't really go into this season with a viable answer at backup quarterback. And, you know, Kirk Cousins has played through the whole season now, although hilariously, you know, there's that stat where the Vikings haven't had a quarterback play back-to-back 16-game seasons in their entire history. They haven't had a quarterback go back-to-back full regular season since Fran Tarkenton back when the when uh, seasons were only 14 games long. Uh, and, you know, it's just this great stat illustrating the quarterback chaos that the Vikings fans have put up with this whole time. And that stat survives hysterically because Kirk Cousins was uh, sat for a meaningless Week 17 game because a playoff spot was already locked up. It's like a good reason to sit your start but, you know, I think it does reignite the backup quarterback thing because, you know, you don't really have an insurance policy right now. You have a backup quarterback who is giving you value, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes value. And it's hard to measure this. So I think we just kind of have to take the coaches at their word on this that, you know, Sean Mannion helps Kirk Cousins be better. Kirk Cousins plays better than he would if Sean Mannion weren't in the quarterback room. Again, we can't measure this or vet it. So I'm just going to take their word on this. But but let's just take that to be true. If, if you... Like, would you rather have what we have right now with a better Kirk Cousins, but no backup plan or a better backup plan, but the starting plan isn't as good? That's, I think, a really interesting question. And it's one that I think you should probably re-ask yourself every year, right? That's why I think the Vi- I mean, I'm, I'm going to be all over the Vikings drafting a quarterback in 2020, even though Kirk Cousins has had a good season. If nothing else you know, because they need that backup position squared away. And, and Sean Mannion has shown over and over again, really, that, that he is not it. On a, a more positive note, however, uh, I, I really want to highlight Oli Uda, who got uh, a full game in at right tackle and actually looked like he belonged in the NFL. That's somebody that could, you know, develop and come into next preseason. And if, if he really, like, puts together a good preseason, he could actually find himself getting real-life playing time. Or even, you know, j- even if he just challenges Rashad Hill for that swing tackle, spot. That's a huge win and helps the Vikings, you know, save a little money, something that they're going to really, really have to do and also just get younger at an important position. Mike Boone also had a, a really, really wild game. He had a really good grade. He ended up with, like, really good production. He had a couple of, like, giant explosive runs. Uh, I, I look forward to actually breaking those down in the explosive run thread, which I'm very far behind on. 
but he also had a couple of, of uh, I guess he was credited with a fumble, although that might have been the, the fault of a Sean Mannion pitch. Uh, I believe he had a couple other blemishes. And ultimately, I mean, when the game was on the line in, in the Packers game, he was awful. He couldn't see holes. He, he ran with very poor vision. He displayed enough athleticism, you know, that any running back needs, but that is not something that's really a differentiating factor. Most, if not all, running backs in the NFL have that athleticism, and it's really a matter of decision-making, and that's something that Mike Boone, you know, if this went the other way around, he had a horrible game in Week 17, but played well in, in the Packers game, I would be a little bit more, like, I would believe in him a little bit more, but for the time being, I don't think that he does, he, he's done a lot for himself to, like, crack into the reps of Alexander Madison or Dalvin Cook, although, of course, Madison is hurt, so it might not even matter. On the defensive side of the ball, it, it seemed like the run defense of the twos really, really struggled, and again, this is against a first team, so, of course, you know, your twos are going to be worse than everybody else's ones. If they weren't, they wouldn't be twos, but I think the singular most concerning thing that I saw in this one is that Jaleel Johnson got blown off the ball just about every time. He's had a couple of disruptions this year, a couple of big plays, but for the most part, whenever he's come in, he's been a, a liability including when Linval Joseph was was hurt, the defense took a huge step back. I don't think that he's really uh, even a backup quality nose tackle anymore, and I think Armin Watts, who the Vikings actually really like at nose, even though I think he played uh, three technique here in this, I could be getting Julio Johnson and, and Armin Watts mixed up, but either way, in the interior, Armin Watts is clearly a better option to play uh, whenever you're thinking of putting Jaleel Johnson in. I, I would be actually really surprised if uh, Jaleel Johnson got any sort of extension. I believe he's going into a contract year in uh, in 2020, and if he even makes the team in 2020, I think at that point it's it's kind of over and it's time to turn to these guys, some of these guys that are a little bit younger and a little bit more exciting, like Watts. So with that, I am going to move on now uh, to Crossover Wednesday. Here I have Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints here on the line, and uh, we are going to talk a little bit about this this upcoming game. And he's gonna really orient me on where to look in terms of New Orleans, so I, I can get a better sense for what to look for when we do the next three shows, which are going to be pretty much exclusively previewing this game. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Okay, Ross, how's it going, man? Hey, man, doing great. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. So uh, our teams are meeting in the playoffs again. This uh, this wasn't weird or wild at all last time. No, right? Absolutely not. Should be a perfectly fine stand-up game just like last time. <laughs> Absolutely normal football. All right. So tell me a little bit about the Saints uh, because here's, here's the thing, and I, I have a take for you, and I want to know if Ooh. you agree, and I Let's think you it. probably will. 
I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC, despite th- being the three seed. Do you agree? I'm going to agree. Yeah, I think in terms of complete shocker, complete team. I know, right? I know I sound like a homer, but but you agree <laughs> with me here. I mean, you know, you you brought up the point, not me, right? But uh, but no, I mean, in terms of complete build for this team and what this team has had to overcome in terms of, I think it's been ten starters that they've lost for multiple games so far this season, uh, including and, a pretty important one, uh, right? Back there in September. <laughs> Right, including a future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, Drew Brees, for five of those games. Uh, during this last game, they operated without three of their, essentially half of their secondary, because they tend to stay in nickel, so they usually have six defensive backs out there. And so it's, it's or sorry, five of their, uh, five uh, defensive backs out there, and so over half of their secondary. So they've been absolutely outstanding in terms of what they've been doing from the top of their roster to the bottom of their roster. And because of that and the way that they're also playing now on special teams with guys like JT Gray and Deontay Harris, who made the Pro Bowl, uh, I mean, really everything's kind of clicking. They're also averaging over what, 30, 36 points per game over the last eight, seven games. So with that, I mean, everything's really kind of clicking at the right time for them. So I do feel like they are the best team in the NFC right now, despite their seeding. Yeah, so I want to talk about that offense real quick because obviously that's going to, you know, stopping them, you you just can't beat the Saints if you can't slow that down. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's Michael Thomas. I want to know a little bit about how to stop him, but Jared Cook has also come on really strong here at the end. And, and is he somebody that you have to like specifically game plan for now? Or if you were a defensive coordinator going up against the Saints, are you going to just sell out to stop Michael Thomas and hope that you can keep up with the rest? He's been an absolutely huge part of this offense, Jared Cook. And it's been something that's been really nice to see because over the first probably four or five weeks, it just wasn't working. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, he had built up a ton of chemistry with Drew Brees over the offseason through OTAs and training camp. And then all of a sudden, Drew Brees was gone and he was having to learn how to play with Teddy Bridgewater. And then once he got used to Teddy Bridgewater and scored a couple of touchdowns in a couple of straight games, then all of a sudden, Drew Brees comes back against the Cardinals. So everything just kind of kept shaking up. My, uh, Jared Cook also missed a pair of games throughout the season as well. And so a lot of big shakeups for this team all throughout and for Jared Cook's development. But man, once he got rolling with Drew Brees, these two guys have been... Uh, outstanding together. I mean, you look back at just the beginning of the 49ers game week four, week 15, where they connected for two passes for two touchdowns uh, and some outstanding uh, play between the two of them before he ended up going out with a concussion. I do think that if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you game plan for Jared Cook because outside of Michael Thomas, the Saints don't have a legit number two receiver in Ted Ginn Jr. or Traquan Smith. Traquan put up season highs last week against a you know, a, a Carolina Panthers team that kind of gave up halfway through after the Saints took it to the locker room up 32. But his season highs, quote unquote, were five catches and 56 yards. So they don't really have a legit number two unless you maybe want to consider Taysom Hill in there. But Jared Cook's really the guy that Drew Brees leans on uh, in the passing game outside of Michael Thomas as well as Alvin Kamara. So I do think that he's somebody that you have to game plan for. But he's tricky because he's quick for a while, uh, for a for a tight end. So it makes it tough for linebackers to put on him. And you certainly don't want to put uh, defensive back matched up, uh, matching up with them, particularly in the slot or a small undersized safety uh, that might end up, you know, getting that call. But because, uh, you know, as we were discussing uh, before, the Vikings tend to play their safeties deep right now and tend to play their safeties back. So you're probably going to be lining up a linebacker or a nickel corner uh, when you look at the matchup with Jared Cook, and that's not the most advantageous spot to put your defense in. So I do expect the Saints to really lean on Jared Cook in this game and then try to game plan Michael Thomas open, as they often do. It's interesting. The Vikings actually have a guy for this. 
that Daron Kersey, who you maybe haven't even heard of, he played at Clemson a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He is he's played will linebacker, strong safety, and nickel corner, but he's basically a counter. Or earlier in the season, he was a counter for two tight end sets, and he was the guy that would match up on like Dallas Goddard early in, uh-huh. earlier in the year and like similar styles of players. So maybe he's the guy, although he hasn't been getting a lot of playing time lately. So they might just put Mike Hughes on him and say, you know, just go try to win a contested catch. We'll we'll see how that uh, how that works out. So there's something about Drew Brees, though, that I want to ask, because he uh, he is known as a guy that you can't blitz, right? He he kills blitzes. Is that still the case or is, you know, has has this offense kind of moved a little bit where with more long developing things where blitzing has become advantageous or is this still a drop seven kind of game where you just have to win and get pressure with four? Uh, the thing that's really interesting about Drew Brees right now and the way that the Saints defense is playing, I mean, you look back, uh, the, he, Drew Brees hasn't been sacked in four of the last five games. And a lot of that has to do with the way that this offensive line has played. And so because of the offensive line playing well in the trenches, you tend to want to blitz. Now, we saw the the, uh, the Titans do that, and it worked pretty well in terms of being able to stunt guys like Roberson off the edge with guys that are blitzing from the second level. So that was actually really helpful and what, very effective uh, for them. They got three sacks in that game. That was the only game out of the last five that Drew Brees has been sacked. And so when you look at it that way, you can see that, you know, getting after Drew Brees with the blitzes is still probably one of the best ways to get after him. The problem becomes, can he get the ball out fast enough? Because that's kind of where this offense has trended to over the last few weeks, because for a little while they were without Teron Armstead for a moment, they were without uh, Larry Warford and Andrus Pete, both of their interior guards there. So with all of that, the Saints team has tended to trend a little bit more towards that quick pass offense and that's been a big part of the game so getting after him you want to get after him as quickly as possible because you can actually expect them to try to go with not so long developing routes and without that drop seven type of offense and instead try to get the ball out within the first two and a half seconds or so that's that's interesting. That's the opposite of what I would think. Just knowing, you know, Drew Brees over all these years. But let's actually flip to the uh, the other side of the ball. Uh, I, and I just want to know about this defense. I mean, we know Mar- Marshawn Lattimore. We know Cam Jordan. Uh, we as Vikings fans know Marcus Williams fairly well. But <laughs> what? Who else do I need to know about on this defense that I don't know about? If I'm just like a, a passing fan that only knows the superstars. Well, I definitely want to point out, and I'm sorry, I, I, you might have actually said the name, and now I'm doubting myself, but I'm going to say him anyway. Uh, Demario Davis <laughs> is definitely somebody not. that... Okay, great. Uh, Demario Davis is definitely somebody to keep an eye out on uh, in, on this defense. He's one of those guys that you know a lot of people are saying should have been nominated to a Pro Bowl. He's somebody that you're probably going to see on um, on uh, uh, All-Pro list. You saw him just recognized on the PFF All-Pro list yesterday. He's been outstanding for this defense, uh, and he's one of the top-graded guys. If you like pro football, focus great at all uh, he's got an elite overall grade of 90 and then every one of his other defensive metrics are at least 80 or above and so he's been absolutely outstanding for this defense and it sort of helped to rejuvenate uh, what they wanted this defense to be before the three straight seven and nine seasons uh, that were so troublesome in terms of a historically bad defense there so right. he's been outstanding uh, another guy on the second level that I would keep an eye out on is actually Kiko Alonso Kiko Alonso is somebody that the Saints made a trade for at the very beginning of this season from the Miami Dolphins and he's now one of the, I think it's the top, I'll, I'll, I'll say for sure that he's a top 20 linebacker in the NFL at the moment in terms of PFF grades after being near the bottom of that list for so long in Miami. But he's been an excellent run stopper 
for this team. He's one of the reasons why, you know, you're not going to see, you know, Craig Robertson, who is somebody that has been playing for the Saints on and off in terms of getting into the starting lineup over the last few years, but is a little bit of a detriment uh, in the in, in the run game as well as the passing game. Kiko Alonso is not much of a coverage guy, but he's a great run stopper. So you see him as the Sam linebacker that comes on for those base packages and then leaves for the nickel packages. And then the one other only other guy that I would point out here, and a little bit of it just has to do with kind of it being a question mark in terms of where he's going to line up is rookie CJ Gardner Johnson. Uh, he's been absolutely oh, outstanding. Oh, yeah, he's had a huge season. Yeah, he's been outstanding as a rookie. Saints ended up nabbing him in the fourth round. He's somebody that probably should have been a bottom of the first, top of the second rounder in terms of what all of his offseason prospects were. He's been outstanding for this team. He's played, let's see if I can remember this, he's played as a nickel linebacker. He's played as a Sam linebacker. He's played as a nickel corner. He's played outside corner and he's played both safety positions already this year. And he's love those Swiss Army Knife guys. I know, I know. It's so great, and it's perfect for a system like Dennis Allen. It's perfect for a head coach like Sean Payton to have that. You know, he, you see how he utilizes that on offense. The way that Den- Dennis Allen utilizes C.J. Gardner on defense is much the same. And so he's been a huge factor. And you mentioned guys that can cover tight ends that can cover, you know, that have played all of those positions and how versatile they can be in coverage. Chauncey Gardner Johnson is that guy for the Saints. Right, and that's that's especially important against the Vikings, who are going to be in two tight ends most of the most of the game and do a lot of that, you know, those bootleg type plays, and and that's the kind of guy you need for that. All right, so before we wrap up here, uh, let's do a quick prediction. As as I'm looking at it right now, uh, the Vikings are eight point dogs. So, uh, what do you think is going to happen? How does this one go down? Well, I look at this as uh, a Saints team that's on a roll that actually might benefit from not having a bye week. A couple of big question marks in terms of whether or not Marcus Williams, Von Bell, and Eli Apple are going to play. The good news for them is that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams, and actually Janoris Jenkins, who they recently claimed off of waivers, have actually stepped in and played well uh, at those positions respectively. And so it's been great to see P.J. Williams as somebody that struggled for a long time, uh, a long time throughout his career, being kind of found his place in the nickel, and then all of a sudden is performing really well at that free safety position as well. So he would be an interesting watch if Marcus Williams isn't able to go. The Janoris Jenkins, Eli Apple is kind of six and one, half a dozen in the other, but Janoris Jenkins got an interception in the last game and is trending upwards in terms of being the potential starter for this game opposite Marshawn Lattimore. So definitely something to watch. If the Saints can get their defense back and get that secondary completely healthy for a much bigger test this week than Curtis Samuel last week, uh, then that will bode well for them. They'll need to keep their pass rush up as well and then keep the offense going at a good clip. The Saints have scored... 38 points over the last three games in terms of average, and they're not taking any rest here. So if they can keep that rolling, I think the Saints can cover. Uh, but I'd still look at this being a pretty high-scoring game. I'll take this one to be the Saints at, uh, I'll say maybe 35-25, something around that. Uh, something around that. Maybe I'll say 35-24. Uh, but I still think this is going to be a pretty interesting game, and it's going to stay pretty close uh, throughout most of it. And if it's not close, then the Saints will let it get close late, which is an unfortunate truth for this team right now. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's interesting. The, the Vikings have had a couple of come. I think three different times this season they've come back from three score deficits to make a game out of it. So maybe maybe we'll have a wild fourth quarter. Uh, and that, I will say know, too, I will say too um, that like it's wild for me to be predicting a thirty-five point game for the Saints when we should acknowledge that over the season the Vikings have only allowed haven't allowed over nineteen points per game. Uh, their average is what eighteen point nine or eighteen point six something like that. So they've actually been an outstanding scoring defense this year. So I just want to acknowledge that. 
yeah, it's weird. Their their reputation's a lot, a lot, a lot worse than that. So I, I don't think I can in I like I want to do the Homer thing so bad and be like, they're gonna go into the Superdome and they're gonna do it. But I I I can't do it. The the Saints seem like not only the best team in the NFC, but they also seem with the way that Breeze plays and the way that their defense defensive line is constructed, they seem so specifically tailored to beat the Vikings and and to counter what the Vikings do. Uh, I, I, I don't know about score, but if I were betting this game, I if I didn't have a personal rule about betting against the Vikings, I'd absolutely take the Saints minus eight. Well, I'd love to hear it, man. Uh, and I kind of hope we're both right here. <laughs> because, I do I mean, not. It, <laughs> I know, right? I know. Uh, and many Saints fans will agree because this is a game to where many Saints fans didn't want to see their team playing. And so if they can come out of this game uh, with a win to move on and also as unscathed as possible, those will be the two kind of most important things because then they'll have to travel to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers, which is a big test. Right, yeah, and if the Vikings win this one, we get to go to play uh, San Francisco and Kyle Janin and yep. all that. Well, Ross, thank you for hanging out, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Have a safe one today, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and listening to this uh, shifted back, rescheduled week of Locked On Vikings. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. And yes, there will be a show on Friday and Saturday, even though there usually aren't. You will still get four shows. We're just shifting it all two days back so I can have a little bit more time to research the Saints. So I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.